If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today's guest on Horse Chats is Anki Hawk. Anki's a dressage specialist coach. She loves classical training, passionate about classical dressage, and she balances the time working in a local saddlery. Anki, how are you? Thank you, I'm really well. Great. Now, Anki, we normally introduce with a quote that you might like to bring forward. You know, I just find that the quotes give us a little bit of an idea about where you're coming from with horses. So what quote have you chosen? It's not really a quote, but I find for me often it works really well because I'm, <laughs> I like to question things. So it's more yep. like, is that so and and why? So when someone tells you something, that, oh, it's always been like this, and you go, but why? So I like to get to the background and the base of it okay. to understand how you can improve it or why you're doing something that you're doing in a certain way. Yep, yep. So you think your quote is, is that so and why? Yep, yep. Okay, that's a very inquisitive mind then, isn't it? Oh, yep. Hey. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it comes back from being thorough and maybe also from the German background. They, they're quite thorough. They'd like to understand how things work and become very um, nitty-gritty about it, so very detailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, tell us then an early memory, something that might be the first time you remember being with a horse, the first time you rode a horse, or you know, maybe a lesson that you learned fairly early. I think the first time that I remember about being uh, coming into horses or getting into horse riding was pestering my parents until I was blue in the face that they would take me because I actually come from a sailing family, so okay. they weren't really horsey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took a lot of convincing, and uh, yeah, so eventually they drove me to my first lesson, and I think that was basically the last time they saw me around at home because after that I was off um, early mornings and late nights and. Any spare moment it wasn't spent in school was spent in the stable. Mm-hmm. And how old were you then? I was about nine. Okay, yep. <laughs> old enough to get on that bike and go to the local stable and do whatever it took to ride. Um, yeah. 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 Just thinking about your career with horses, because you're doing a few different things. You're really doing a lot of training coaching but you're also spending a bit of time in a saddlery so and they're all different careers with horses but your decision to have a career with horses how did that come about was it one decision or a series of decisions or was it something you you were just always going to do it was something that I always would have liked to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were too keen on the idea that I went full time into into horse into the horse industry. So I actually had to learn a real job, as they called it. And I, for years, did quality control in Asia, and actually worked there. And always written on the side or trained horses. And even in in Asia, as an expat, I always had horses to ride for other people and train. And then um, Master said, when we moved finally to Australia, he went, why don't you do it full time or why don't you make a bit more out of it? Mm. So it was him giving me the final nudge and say, this is what you like doing. Why don't you 
mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. it into a profession then. <laughs> good. And your license properly. Good. So. Yeah, yeah, good, good. All right, now if someone's going to work with horses, you know, say someone came into a saddlery and said, I am looking for staff. Can you recommend someone? What sort of skills would they need if they were going to work with horses? I think that everyone has a different skill set and everyone has a different passion. And again, it's always as long as a piece of string. If you kind of got to find out what they would like to do, if they like to trail ride, if they like to jump, if they into dressage, um, and all the way to the horse, because there's so many variables set what they like to do and then you kind of find out what they need and what would be appropriate for them. Um, it, it comes out of the conversation, but I think in general always a good idea is to have a very self helmet on that fits you and have, have some really good quality shoes on that, um, yeah, so you don't slip through the stirrups and then from there, again, it depends what you like and what you like to do with your horse and where you like to take it from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, everyone is very individual in that way. What about if they were coming in and they said, "I, you know, I'm really interested in the saddlery part, the, you know, and they might have had a, a retail background and they were wanting to get into the saddlery part of the business. What about skills there, particular skills? Well, Skill of in for a salary or can it just be Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's so many options. See, again, it depends on your area. We're in an area here where a lot of people share horses, so you have a lot of dressage riders or jump riders or eventers. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, the salary caters mainly for that need. Um, if you go a little bit outside to another salary, you'll find you have camp drafting or panning, so you got to cater to that need. So you got to find out where you are located and then cater for that niche in the market in that area. Okay. So it depends a little bit where you where you want to go or mm, what mm. what people you have around you. What about what about the core skills? You know, the character traits that the type of person they'd have to be. They'd have to have a bit of knowledge of the type of horses in the area, but what other skills would they need to have besides that base knowledge? I think in <laughs> People skills, yep. <laughs> just being even have have being able to have a conversation, being uh-huh. able to find out what what they need. We get all sorts of people come through the shop. So some people just want to have something new and blingy and look the part, and other people are really come with their teacher questions about bits and saddles. And mm-hmm. we're lucky enough to have a saddle maker on site, um, so we can always refer straight to him. But in the end, there's a huge shelves full of saddles so you can sit in them and feel what actually feels right for you because everyone is built a little bit different so depending on the length of your legs or the width of your pelvic or of your hips you can choose what actually fits you and then of course when the saddle comes out to fit the saddle then hopefully that saddle also fits on your horse because the horse's shape also plays a big role in it yeah yeah what do you think is the best thing about working in a saddlery you meet everyone. You meet the little kids, you meet the grandkids, you meet the professionals. You, you, Yeah, it's quite versatile. And you just meet people that go, oh, my God, I didn't even know this exists. <laughs> but it's, a, it's um, interesting. And you get to see everything that is new on the market, which is also, yeah, you get some really <clears throat> quirky bits and occasionally you're 
but in general, it becomes more and more of a fashion fashion um, line where you have technical pants that wick moisture away or really good outdoor jackets that you keep the wind and off you but keep you dry and warm. So, and the same with saddles. You see always a new innovation within the saddles or saddle pads. It's, um, yeah, you it's nice you're right up there you can see everything that comes through the door within reason because there's always a certain floor space you have do you have phases that come in and you think oh i don't think that'll last long and it doesn't last long or things that come in and you think that's (laughs) going to be really really good What, what was the last thing you saw come in that you thought this is going to take off yep there are certain things that come in and you go oh dear really but um (laughs) Other things come in and you think that's a really clever idea. Um, I love the minor bits. I think they're amazing. They're really soft. They're they're well thought through. They're good balance and they are taking off Mm -hmm. because they're kind. Um, And other things, I think the ear bonnets, it's a face. (laughs) It's a bit like dress up my pony. You can match it with the bandages and the the saddle pads. I think that might be a face, but it's still going and people love it. So. What's a colour that comes in that seems fairly popular at the moment? Oh. You know, when people are looking for something to match the bandages and brow band and saddlecloth, and it just normally comes in a whole heap. It comes in every colour and range. So yeah, and the same what you see in every clothing comes every year it comes through the shop in that colour in that year. So there's a season and colour, and they're normally two years ahead. Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. see the catalogs or the, the production is now for two years ahead. Okay. Okay, yeah. it is a bit like a fashion catalogue, isn't it? Mm. Yep, yep. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> All right, now thinking about the knowledge that you've got, who have you got that you think has really helped you in your career? Oh, I had lots of different coaches in mm-hmm. my career um, yep. and I think they all contributed to one thing or the other. Um most of them, I think, you, I, I like coaches that are kind that they can explain things. So, um, and at the moment, I have an amazing coach called Belinda Boltenberg, who really can connect all the dots and the why and the when and explain the different breeds and the different needs of, of different horses and qualities and confirmation. And any question you ask, I got answers, which I find is incredible. So she's been a huge game changer over the last couple of years for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So she's the main one that you'd like to recommend. Anyone else that you'd like to recommend or would you just think there's too many to? Oh, there's a few. I think Hertz <laughs> is amazing. He was very helpful in setting me up and setting me straight and explaining the works of it and being always very kind and very positive to the horse. I think it was the first time I got in trouble when I used a whip when I shouldn't have. <laughs> and... <laughs> In general, he was very good. Um, I have another lady that helps me from the ground. Her name is Vicky Morgan. So she is also incredible with horsemanship skills and biomechanics and physio work for the horse. And she's also a qualified saddle fitter. So she is a really good candidate to have to help you to keep you honest. Because if I work my horse too much or not enough, I get instant feedback from her and going, you know, you've got to improve this got to open up a little bit more here and you've got to make sure that she rotates a little bit more through the ribcage here so I get very clear feedback from her as well. Good, good. What about horses? Have you got a horse that you think has influenced you, helped you along in your career? I think there's many different horses that always help you in a different way. So they all have their quirks. Yep. None of them are ever 
straight or easy. I have never met a push-button horse. So I find most of them have um, either have a right or left tendency, so you find that you constantly try to straighten them up or help them to stay balanced and true balance and being able to mobilise them just enough that they can perform everything. I find uh, my horse that I own at the moment, Georgie Girl, she is um, very tricky because she's very light and very flighty and very opinionated, such as Gourmet. So she kept me on my toes and is always two steps ahead. And when I find a ride another horse, particularly geldings, they're a lot more forgiving. And I find all the taller the horses are, normally the more gentler they are. They're not as pushy in at you. So, but yeah, I think every horse helped you a little bit along the way to make you who you are and keep you honest and teach you every day something new and basically just stay humble and, and mm-hmm. learn. Mm-hmm. If you think about where you are now with your career as a rider and as a trainer, what do you think has been your proudest moment so far? I think the proudest moment was when I had a horse that um, wasn't quite, was actually really lame. It was a friend's horse and she said, can you help? So I went, mm. she said, oh, he's lame here. I said, yeah, but he's, he's lame in the hind and he's actually lame in his shoulder and he was dropping his back. And uh, we carefully worked away with him for several months in hand and slowly brought him back to walking evenly, um, also with help with farriers and a physiotherapist and and he became really good. So we did it really quiet in a quiet location and then when I took him out the first time back in the public arena, everyone asked me what horse this was and I said, oh, he's actually a school horse and they went, no. They said, yeah, this is the school course. And they went, no. <laughs> so that was really quite special because we really turned them around and from something that couldn't walk and was twisting and, and moving not very clean, he became, yeah, again, once a very useful school horse again. It was a very proud lift through him and a different attitude. So that was really nice. That was impressive. It's nice when you put the work in, isn't it? You know, you put the work in and then you get – the result at the end and it makes all that time worthwhile and encourages it then to go yes. on and do the same for other horses. And, and it's a bit of a role model as well. So that encourages other people to put the work in to get the result. Yeah. And at the same time, also when you have a horse that is really unsound and you kind of, what's the word, that you twitch with it a little bit and, just play play with it a little bit and see where his balance is really better because every horse has a different stride and a different gait and a different actually different level of balance. So you gotta always just get the right balance at the right time and with a horse that was very unsure where his feet are and, and stumbles a lot, to put them back in a balance very slowly and carefully and having an owner in the background that is very understanding with time and patience and then seeing the change blossom over a couple of months was um, quite incredible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was Thinking where you are now and, and in your career where you're, you know, you're working and you're balancing it between the saddlery and the training and the coaching, what do you mm-hmm. think has been your biggest challenge? Was that when your parents weren't really focused on you having a career with horses or, or have you had any other challenges? Oh, I think that it's just a normal time for the parents. They just don't think it is a very healthy job on your body, and they really went into horses. So, mm-hmm. um, 
No, I think the biggest challenge is actually making a hobby that you like into something that is a little bit profitable, where mm-hmm. you actually earn yep. an income out of it. Because you often get carried away. I enjoy what I'm doing, so you forget that you should actually earn money out of it. Yes, <laughs> you can yes. pay your bills. I yeah. think that is always the biggest challenge that you don't give away. Um, I shouldn't say that. Not give away for free, but you kind of got to draw the line sometimes and mm. realize that this one is not your horse. This is actually a client's horse, and there's only so much time and money and effort that you can do and nudge them in the right direction to help the horse along, yeah. um, especially when it comes to training horses to become your friend. Yes. And you can see that some of them you really give hope that you show them there's a way out, there's a nicer way of treatment, there's a easier way with with especially when you come from the classical side of the dressage training, there's a nicer way to move, um mm-hmm. throwing it down a little bit, making it less flamboyant and just placing them in balance and you can see them the first two times when you come there. Yeah, you know, it's you again. And then the third time when you come, they're waiting at the gate and you go, oh, this is different. And they're kind of so what do we do today? And then you can see a huge change in the horse's attitude and their mental state and all of a sudden they start to blossom. But uh, you got to remember that this one is not yours. <laughs> so, and that's where it becomes really hard because they're literally, they wait for you. They, they, they see you coming and they're really happy to all of a sudden to have their freedom of movement back. Yep. Which yep. is, uh, yeah, that's, Good. I think, the biggest Good. challenge. Mm-hmm. Can't collect them all. Thinking then about um, a problem that might arise, or if you're going out to give lessons to people, you know, new students, people you haven't seen before, mm-hmm. what do you think is a common fault? Is it that people are asking for too much movement and it's and, and the exaggerated movement? In the dressage horse, is that what you see as a common fault or what would you say is a common fault? Mm, I think a lot of people, um, I find more, a lot of people, particularly people that are very successful, they find it very (laughs) humbling to slow down again and find the little differences in in the balance and um, adjusting their own body a little bit more so they're just think that they bought a really well-trained horse and it should just perform. And, you know, they, they only ever perform to what you feel that day or how good you are and how open and how clear you are in, in your aids that you give the horse. So that's often the biggest challenging thing, that you've got to be true and honest about where your own balance is. If you, I find one of the biggest challenges is the rider's seat. They really need to improve to stay really balanced and fair to the horse and not overtaxing it. So if you have five or six really good clean changes and it is something that the horse just learned, sometimes it's better to stop then rather than go, oh, just a few more. Mm, mm. <laughs> because then you just tip them over the edge. So, mm-hmm. yeah, constantly asking them a little bit more than they were they're capable of or just stopping at a good note um, yep. rather than just asking Okay. A bit too much. Mm. What about as far as working in a saddlery? You know, thinking about people coming in. What's a problem or a fault or something that you think people are going off in the wrong direction? Oh, it's like everything. Everyone, I would like to some a want so that you can just tend them out a, a magical want that fixes all the problems. Like a gadget? Fix. 
<laughs> is that a gadget? gadget? Yep, yep. Or do we go for a gadget? Yeah. Harry Potter wants. <laughs> you go yep. and you do a spell and all your problems will be fixed. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that. So you got to find out that basically what I hear very often is I need a new bit or I need this. And my horse has that problem, like tongue issues or that issue. And it's the bit is ever as good as the rider's hands. So and the rider's seat. So yes, there's some horses clearly that have problems with the bit, and it would be really good to. But I don't know your horse because you haven't bought it in the shop, and I don't know what you ride like. So I don't know if the saddle is sore, if the horse is anywhere else a problem. So I can't sell you a miracle cure. I, I know there is often several strings, um, several little pieces that make the whole thing work. Mm. So. That is the biggest challenge in the salary that you really don't don't know them and often don't know their horses or what they're right like. So you can't really sell them any gadget that will fix the problem. Yep. You, yep. you need a coach and you need someone on site that then sees what causes the issue or the, the yeah. Yeah, I like the way you said that because it's not just the issue, it's what caused it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Tell me about running reins. How popular are they? (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Yeah, they are. um, They're hopefully on the way out. I I know that they're illegal in a few countries by now. Um, What countries are they illegal in? Switzerland mm-hmm. made them illegal, and I think Sweden is going that way, or Denmark was the other one that says no more. Um, basically, um, when you have your horse in self-carriage and balance, you're much better learning to use a lunging covers on, um, a classical one, where they actually fit it and they can't roll in the horse's eyes and teach them balance and move their feet from the beginning where they should be going, so you teach them balance. Um, I find when you use running reins or standing martingale or the horse just learns to lean on it and you actually work on the muscles that you want to avoid working on because rather than lifting the horse, they're leaning against it. So it's like strength training in the gym. You're actually training the muscle you don't want to train. Yep. So it makes it really hard because it's a pulley system. You never know when you actually achieve what you wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have the horse in balance, then when you actually just pull them just a little bit behind it so he avoids it. Yep, yep. Thinking about the saddlery again, because you, you sell books within the saddlery? Books, I mean, mm. reading books? Yeah. It's getting harder and harder to find. Um, in some ways, that's good and bad. I mean, there's great books on the market. Um, there's Gymnasium des Pferdes from Steinbach is amazing. There's a few other ones. And But in general, um, you have so many online training videos now where you can actually see the horse in, in motion and the footfalls. And um, there's some great people that do online training and explaining it really step by step. And that is overtaking more and more the books, um, the whole internet. Is, so you can decide what discipline you want to do and you can basically find a video on it. Therefore, a lot of book companies also don't print as much. Um, so the book section in the saddlery has gone down. 
We Is used it? to have everything, <laughs> but not anymore. Mm. What about if, if someone was going to give a gift or for a specific reason? I know if I'm catching a plane, it's nice to have a book. Oh, yes. <laughs> what, what, what's a book that you might recommend? Well, my trick is, my problem is always I read in two languages, so I read in German and English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, book in English then, yeah. <laughs> book in English. I actually do like the books from Anja Baran. I think they're very good. They come in English and in German. Um, so I know most of the German titles, but she normally has some really good reading books. Um, and um, the other one is, um, I'll have to go and look at my bookshelf, but I actually have. But... Um, the the and there's a one book that says horses never lie, so that's a really good general reading because it talks about the ethics, um, you know, and why you ride horses and how do you get around it to ask them what you what you would like them to do without constantly confronting them. So that one was a really good read. That's um, a, that's a good one just for a favourite quote too, isn't it? Horses yeah. never lie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he written another book as well that's called <laughs> No Horse Ever Has a Bad Colour, um, which comes along the same similar lines. So he kind of gives you an idea how you can um, overcome certain problems. <laughs> yeah. And it's not normally the chestnut that is tricky. <laughs> so, and the other one that writes fantastic book is um, Gerd Heuschmann, who is a German vet, and he written a lot of books about... Um, Oh, what, I get to look up the English titles, but he has one that was <coughs> in German. It's called Stellung und Begung, and the English translation I don't have here, but it's uh, basically the. We'll the make sure we get that off you, though, Anki, mm. because yeah. uh, we'll put that on the site there for um, horsechats.com slash Anki Hawk, and we'll make sure that we've got those books. We'll get them properly off you and mm. um, get some links and put them through just in case people are interested. You can go to horsechats.com, search for Anki, A-N-K-E, or search for Hawk. Yeah, I'm sure they'll find them. Now, yeah. tell us what you're looking forward to now. You know, in the next six months, 12 months, what are you looking forward to? More of the same or have you got something planned or what are you doing? Oh, we always have things planned. I would like to run a couple of clinics where you actually have people for, for two days. Um, yep. So you can explain over two days, um, building up slowly if you get your horse's balance and confidence right in the walk and have them nicely underneath you, how easy is it then to pick up a trot or a canter and you can work on it over two days with this three-way lesson where you explain them where the footfalls of the horse are, where your seat is, how you have to bend from not just from from front to back, but also from side to side, rotation from the cage. And yeah, you have the riders there to basically see that everyone makes similar mistakes in some mm-hmm. ways. And if you slow it down to really understand how you can influence from the outside to the inside or from, from front to back, yep. um, the balancing of it that you can then see and learn, which for me was a huge help over the last two years when I started going to clinics um, and pass that knowledge on and get people <laughs> to see that everyone has similar issues, but mm-hmm. also from the different breeds that you yep. can help them overcome not confirmational thoughts but um, muscle skeleton developments that you can say look this needs to lift a bit more and you know you can change certain things with time and patience 
And mm. if people would like to contact you about those clinics, how can they do that? What's the best contact details? The best contact details are my mobile phone number or yep. the email. And we work at the moment in putting a website together. All right. And those details will be on, again, on Horse Chats. It'll be horsechats.com, search for Anki, A-N-K-E, or search for Hawk, H-A-W-K-E, and you'll find those contact details. Now, before we go, if you can summarise your philosophy with horses, and I know that you had a lovely poem that you sent over, Mm. a horse should be your friend. Would you like to say that before we leave today? I've had it right here in front of me, but I don't. Basically, I think a horse should be your friend. You should ride it as a as a partner with understanding, rather than using it as a, as a robot and asking or never over asking it and overtaxing it. So, okay, um, I've got it here. Would you like me to read through? That would be great. That okay. would be lovely. <laughs> I I, look, I, I read it. I just thought this <laughs> is lovely. Okay, so I'll just read through it. It's treat it with respect and it will respect and respect you. Treat it well and it will be good to you. Listen to him and it'll listen to you. Go responsibly with him and he'll trust you. Never use him, not his body, his power, his abilities or his dependence on you. It's a gift to be allowed on his back. Never take for granted or recognize the moment your friend can no longer carry your burden, then help him carry his burden. A good friend is a treasure. I think that's just a lovely poem, yeah. Thank you, yeah. And I honestly don't know who wrote it, but Mm. I thought it was absolutely beautifully put Mm. together and sums up a lot of the teaching philosophy that I have that you kind of work with what you got on the day and with the ability that you have full stop. Mm. And we'll put that on your page as well. Mm. Is there anything else you'd like to say about that before we go? Because I think it's been very good talking to you today, Anki. It's been good talking to you about the saddlery, bringing in that different aspect. And, um, you know, I know we can talk a lot more about classical dressage. I think that's for another time. But I think today, very good talking to you. So thank you for uh, helping us and giving us your knowledge about that. Excellent. Thank you, Glennis. It was lovely. (laughs) Good, good. Interesting chat. All right. So bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.